Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Cars, a copyrighted program created for the Rio Grande Oil Company. Every police car that speaks past you, the silence is used as a dramatic advertisement for real gun to crack gasoline. So is every police ambulance, speeding on its errand of murder. Every fire engine that draws past. Every police motorcycle that patrols the road. There are thousands of such emergency cars in the territory where real Gandhi cracks gasoline sold, and more of them use real Gandhi cracks than any other gasoline. What greater truth can you ask that this gasoline is sold all others? The gasoline selected for emergency cars operated by the cities of Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, and others, and by the county of San Diego, Maricopa County, Arizona, and many, many others is chosen in competitive press. Rio Grande has won these press because it is the only gasoline available in the far west that is made by the patented Sinclair cracking process, the most advanced refining method known to the petroleum industry. In Rio Grande's new cracking plant, the finest in America, your gasoline goes through a costly extra process that changes all the weak, slow-burning, lazy units into rich, vital elements. And when you buy the Uganda cracked gasoline from your neighborhood in Bikini Kila, you get the same gasoline that is used by more emergency engines than any other brand. And in addition, Rio Grande offers free gifts to every boy and girl. Drive in tonight, or tomorrow sure, wherever Rio Grande cracked gasoline is sold. Ask for your free copy of the Calling All Cars News, and read how your youngsters may have a complete junior detective outfit free of charge. And now it is our pleasure to present Chief Gainsey Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. As you sit quietly back in your chair, listening to this broadcast, perhaps you will believe it is incredible that several persons can conspire together to commit crime which may result, and in this case did result, in cold-blooded murder. Few citizens realize that walking abroad in our community are vicious individuals whose criminal tendencies are so great that they can conspire together in a single act of violence. But this story we bring you tonight is one which proves conclusively that definite criminal types are dangerous and altogether unfit to associate with civilized society as we know it. I wish to call particular attention to those listening in tonight to the splendid work done by the police officers in ringing from the group of conspirators and would-be murderers whose story this is, the truth concerning one of the most barbaric killings in police annals. This splendid piece of detective work was done without resorting to the antiquated so-called third degree. 
the psychology used by the police officers in this story to break down the resistance of these clever criminals is particularly noteworthy. Now for the story. Big diamond ring. I warned her not to do that. I 
Wait a woman scream last eight o'clock on the night of the twenty seventh. When we arrived each minute, the door was bolted from the inside. The rear door had been locked by a string lock. Looks like the murderer escaped the back way. Well, I saw a man coming out of the door in Mrs. Watson's house at about 8.15 on the night of the 27th. I didn't get a very good look at him. Well, look, you're asking me. I say, talk to that boyfriend of hers, old Mr. Redding. He probably killed her for her money in a ring. Well, she would come in and pass this, and I hope you could have to solve Mrs. Watson's murder, Mr. Redding. I would love to help him any way I can. Thank you. How long have you known Mrs. Watson, Mr. Redding? We're several years. Oh, well, we were good friends. When did you see her last? I haven't seen her for a week. Have you any idea who killed her? No. Did you kill her? No. Did you have any enemies? No, not that I know of. Mr. Lieutenant, here's that thing to put you for it. Thanks, Lady Byrne. Well, according to this report, the fingerprints we took and we brought you in, Tally, with the print found in Mrs. Watson's bed. How about that, Mr. Eddie? It can be so. I've never been near Mrs. Watson's bed. Why, I haven't even seen her for a week, I tell you. That's very bad, Mr. Eddie. I'd like to tell us the truth and ease your conscience. I haven't anything else to tell. I've told you the truth. I understand it, Mr. Eddie. How did that happen? Why, I cut it with praying some plumbing at my house. Cut it with praying some plumbing, huh? So you didn't hurt it while you were beating out Mrs. Watson's brains? No, no, I see why I'm in a snow. I haven't done anything. Well, that's the last you deserve to ask. Why, what are you going to do to me? Are going to hold you in technical custody? And so we'll accept your story. Holtz and Gerhardt stepped back on Redding's story. Found that he was telling the truth. That he had indeed cut his hand while he fell in the plumbing. And soon bring him once more to their office. Well, Mr. Redding, you stepped back on your story and you found that you told us the truth about your hand. Well, of course, I mean sometimes. I don't know you. However, that doesn't explain about your fingerprint on Mrs. Watson's bedstead. Well, I was frightened when you first questioned me. I, I should have admitted that I had been in Mrs. Watson's room. I took her a book about a couple of days before she was... before she died. I may have touched the book, but as well as that in the first place. Yes, but you see... Oh, I'm not sure. I'm convinced you had nothing to do with her murder. And I'm free to go. Yes, yeah, you can go now. Well, good day, Mr. Redding. Good day. Good day. Well, that was our only clue after that. You look through there. Yeah, you look through there, Jack. Yeah. What are you using to do now? That guy's on the left. Right. Perhaps you can tell me what you do now. All right. What did you suggest? Pass the buck to me. What would you suggest? Well, we got a murder and had a single suspect we hadn't eliminated. Well, sometimes it's nice to be Mr. McCord. Huh? What do you mean? Let's just wait for something to turn up. For the next several days, Hope and their hearts concerned themselves with the routine details of the case, checking the stories of friends of the victim, throwing over their data for some little shock that may prove to be an important clue, actually getting nowhere. And then from a quite unexpected source, a great comes to open the case wide. Homicide, Hope speaking. Yeah? You weren't the only one who watched him again? Yes. I just ran into that What is it? A president comes around our house, told my wife that he knew a man who's been orphaned and sold. Robin, old lady. Yeah? Yeah. Of course, you may not have anything to do with your case, but I thought you might want to know. You don't have to do it. I get on that right away. Running down Deputy Sheriff Allen's first trip, the detective interview Mrs. Allen's first. The interview is a minister, the peddler, and finally through him, contact an old and at the moment, very drunken gentleman. Good evening, Mr. Gentleman. 
Well, what can I do for you? If you'd like to have a talk with you, if you don't know. Oh, not at all. Will you, will you be coming in and help me get a seat? Thanks. No, what is it, gentlemen? My name's Harris. Mr. Luke. This is Lieutenant Gerhardt from the police department. Oh, that's the beast. I'm sure it's no time to have a taste of liquor in the house, is it? I'm not interested in that, Mr. I don't think that's happening. Uh, McNulty. Uh, McNulty. Uh, and what is it you want to be talking to me about? I want your help, Mr. McNulty. Uh, help is it? How can a poor innocent law-abiding citizen be helping the police? According to the information we received, you offered some money to help rob an old woman. Oh, oh. I never heard of that. I never heard of that. All right, all right, McNulty. Now calm down. Would you like a little... Drop of fifty gentlemen. No, thanks. You, you won't be minding if I were we did you. You jolted me fair when you made that last remark. Oh, go ahead and Eddie Block, I'll buy it. 
Eddie Block. I think I'm wrong Eddie Block and nothing now. What is coming? Oh, look. There are Eddie Block making entry from doorway right now. Yeah? Uh, just a minute, Mr. Black. Yeah, what is it? I want to have a little talk with you. About what? A murder. That's in police headquarters. A murder? Well, I don't know nothing about no murder. Well, that's just fine. And you won't mind coming along with us. We want you to meet a friend of ours. Yeah, well, I'm clean. I don't know nothing. Oh, well, glad to hear that. Come along. Car's waiting outside. Come on. Get out. Hey, what's the idea? Where are you taking me? You'll see soon enough. I'm taking you to visit an old friend of yours. Yeah, well, I don't know anybody out in the center town. Well, we'll see about that. Well, you did this one very long, and I see you got your man. Hello, Eddie, and how are you tonight? Uh, who is this drunken old fool? Come on, come on, come on. No, no, sit down. Is the man, is it, Miss Melvin? Oh, then it is, and the devil take the black heart of him. Uh, what kind of a frame of this is? Shut up and listen. Go ahead, Jim, and tell Black here what you told us an hour ago. Oh, well, now they got you. Listen to me, Eddie, my buckle. If they deny a word of what I say, then you're a duck. Look, here, you can't tell black. All right, then. Well, this, this big one, this little two man sitting there, met me on the street about a month ago. He says to me, Tim, my boy, says he, how would you like to make a little change? And I says to him, says I, Eddie, I need a little change pretty bad. And he says, all right, my lad, you're on. Wait a minute, Eddie, says I. What do I have to do for the money? Crafty like he looks at me and he says, Eddie, just help me rob an old lady that I pull myself up. I fled from him like he was all the powers of darkness. He is how I'm a respectable, self-respect and respectable citizen and taxpayer. And I swear to it on the holy book. You know, I only I sold me by way of money for him. Well, Black, how about it? Oh, he's gone. Gone? I'll be asked to break in every bone in the body. You talk to me like that. Don't you know he'll tell the same story on the witness stand? Oh, and that I will. How about it, Black? Did you murder Mrs. Watson? No. I swear I didn't. Oh. Who did? What McNulty just said is the truth, isn't it? Uh, okay, it's the truth. I'm in a jam, I guess. But if you get me out of this spot, I'll show you the guy that bumped her off. Come on, let's go. Don't forget me. A mere respectable self-respect. That's the woman house he lives in right there at the corner. That's his name. Well, I don't want to tell you that. But I know what room he's in. All right, what room is it? Number 15. That's fine. Let's get black into headquarters there. Okay. Hey, what's the idea? You can't hold me. No. Well, they're holding you as a material witness until we check your story. Well, Lord, what do I look in these old clothes? I'm just filthy as I'm looking at you. I always wish you were some point of disguises like this. You know, sometimes you better. You better stick in this neighborhood. Everybody for blocks would know where it's just. Well, there we are the rooming house, Blake pointed out. It's off the landlady. Okay. There's a room there at the left. Yeah? One around the room. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to pay in advance. Okay, we will. Well, it looks to me like you had ten cents between you. Oh, no, we have. See this bed? 
The police? Right. And we want your assistance. Well, well, now, look here. I don't want no trouble here. This is a respectable place, and I don't want it getting a bad name. All right, now, quiet down. You're smart, nobody know we're here. You make a fuss, and you have to raid the place to get our man. Oh, heavens, no. No, hooray. Very well, then. Be quiet, and we'll cause you no trouble. Oh, what do you want? You want the man of the man in room 15. Mr. Jefferson has that room. Is he in now? No, he went out half an hour ago. When do you expect he'll be back? Well, as hard as hell. Sometimes he's away for a couple of days, and sometimes for just a few minutes. Have you got any rooms vacant next to him? No, but there's an empty room across the hall. We'll take it. But I don't want no trouble. Well, John, the widow won't be any trouble. Just you keep your mouth shut. The only way there'll be any trouble is if you tip them off that we're here. For 24 long hours, the two detectives sit in the little room, smoking endless cigarettes, taking turns, watching through the keyhole for anyone entering Jefferson's room across the hall. No one comes that afternoon, that night, nor the next morning, but finally at noon on the second day. Come, come on. Yeah, probably that old chicken down the hall. He's walking around all night. Come on, let's take him. Take him up, Jefferson. What is it? Up high. Fish him, Harry. Who are you, guys? What is it? A heist? No, an arrest. We're police officers. An arrest? What for? I ain't done nothing. What's the big idea? There's a friend of yours down at headquarters that wants to see you. Come on. I don't think I need to introduce you two. If you haven't made a mistake, this is your old friend Jefferson, isn't it, Black? Yeah, that's the guy. What is this, a frame-up? I never saw this mug in my life before. Oh? Sit down, Black. Tell Mr. Jefferson here what you told me up in the cell. Well, there was four of us in the deal. Jefferson here, me, Bud Sampson, and Betty Martin. He was planning to rob an old woman who lived next door to Betty's room, and that joint over on Maple Street. I kind of Betty said she had five grand hidden in her trunk. He was going to use tire patches when I think it's a hard print. He had a tire. Mr. Betty Martin? Yeah, what of it? You're under arrest. What for? Suspicion of murder. Right in, Samson. Hey, what's the big idea? You've got no right in my room. That's the police headquarters. You come along quietly or do I have to use force? First, loses no time in hurting the suspect into the office of the superior Captain Bert Wallace of the Homicide Squad. Captain Wallace is Reddy Black, Bud Samson, Greg Jefferson, and Betty Martin. How are you? Sit down, folks. Now, I suppose you'd like to know why you're all here. You're darn certain we were. Yeah. There's a law against false arrest, you know. Yes, I've heard of that law. That's the reason we never make an arrest until we are reasonably sure the suspect's guilt. Now, you're way out of line this time. I don't think so. Well, come on. Fill it, Cap. What's it all about? A little over a week ago, an old lady by the name of Amanda Watson was murdered during a robbery. We have some strong reasons to believe that one of the people in this room committed that murder. How about it? Okay. I'll lay my cards on the table. I'll start talking. That's fine. You don't mind if we take down your statement in shorthand, do you? Ought to get it to do me if I didn't. Perhaps you're right. You ready to take the statement, sir? Yes, yes, sir. All right, Jensen. Start talking. Well, I was working on a construction job out in Hollywood a couple of months ago, and... I met Black there. He was working the same job, and he drove back to town a couple of times, and then one day when we was talking about how tough things was and how hard it is to get a job, 
to live on release. He said he knew where there was a mighty cash. He told me that he knew a woman or knew about an old lady that kept five grand and a lot of jewelry in a trunk in her room. It sounded pretty good to me, so Black took me on to meet this game. Who was this woman? Betty Martin here. You rat, you double Now, Betty, you please, don't be that way. This is the best way out. I, I didn't bump the old woman, and you didn't need her. I don't like informers. Well, Samson, what else? Well, this old lady lived next to Betty's apartment. We met in there and talked about it and decided we'd need a screwdriver to force open the trunks and things, and we'd need some strong wire to tie up Ms. Watson. We never meant to bump her off. But you do, have No, sir, I didn't. Well, we finally decided that maybe there wasn't any dough in the room because... We've been watching through the keyhole. At least I decided it was a bum steer, and I pulled out of the whole thing. That's all I got to say. How about that, Black? You stand from getting the truth? Yeah. What have you got to add? Well, not much. After I talked to Samson about the job, I ran into Jefferson Hill. Oh, sit down, sit down, Jefferson. Go ahead, Black. Well, we'd known each other in Oklahoma, and when Jefferson told me he was out of work, I figured seeing him was an old friend that cut him in on a good thing. He went along with me to Betty's room, and he was present when we talked over plans. Jefferson got the tire tool and the patches for our fingers. And then we started to argue about whether Mrs. Watson really did have any money. I was sick in bed with the flu, and the next thing I knew, I read in the papers of the old donor didn't bump. I didn't do it. I was never near than Betty Martin's apartment. How about it, Miss Martin? What have you got to add? Just this. I say it's a lie, a deliberate frame-up by a couple of double-talking rats that ain't fit to sit on. And what's wrong with for two days, the questioning goes on. Relentlessly, the officers seek to break down the stories, the admissions and denials of the suspects. Toward the end of the second day of questioning. I'm getting a little tired of this merry-go-round. So are we. Why don't you let us go? We ain't guilty. No, boys, I think Jefferson's right. We're holding these people for no purpose. Certainly, I'm convinced that Jefferson's innocent. Huh? And Jefferson's innocent. Huh? And you're right at that, Cap. And Jefferson, I want to apologize to you for keeping you here these two days. Oh, that's all right, Captain Ward. We have to do these things sometimes to assure ourselves of the innocence of a suspect. Sure, I understand. Uh, you say, Janet? Sure. Put her there. Oh, oh. What's the matter? You hurt my hand. That's just what I meant to do. Now sit down there, Jefferson, and start coming clean. For two days, you've been sitting here stretching your right cheek until you've sucked all the skin away. You're nervous, Jefferson. You're holding something back. And something else which has escaped the notice of the rest of my fellow officers here is that right hand of yours. It's still stolen. How did you hurt your hand, Jefferson? Why? Now don't tell us you were fixing the plumbing. We've already eliminated one suspect on that story. Come clean, Jefferson. Thompson, Black, and Miss Martin have convinced me that they are innocent of the actual murder. And you have convinced me by your nervousness that you have guilty knowledge of it. Jefferson, you killed Mrs. Watson. Isn't that the truth? Okay. You got me. I did it. Start talking. I got tired of them sitting around doing nothing. So that day I got crossed on a plant of cheap gin. And I took the tire tool and went over to Mrs. Watson. When she came to the door, I banged her over the head. And then I tied her up and threw her on the bed. And then I took the joint like Grant took Richmond. Did you find anything? No, not a dime. I'm hardly buried as well as Jefferson. There's just one thing I want you both to know. I never meant it, sir. I just wanted to put her to sleep so I could get the five grand the Martin Dan kid was here. 
I didn't mean to kill her. I swear I didn't. I just kept her easy. You just don't know your own strength, do you, Jefferson? Jefferson, Black, and Miss Martin were booked for murder. Samson was held as a material witness, and complaints were issued by Deputy District Attorney Vern Ferguson on one count of murder, two counts of conspiracy to commit robbery, and three counts of attempted robbery. But four days before the case came to trial, Judge Reuben Smith released Black and Miss Martin, declaring that the evidence of their guilt was insufficient. Jefferson went on trial on an insanity charge, was found sane, and was sent to San Quentin Penitentiary for life. Thank you, Chief Davis. Someday you may need help from the police. Someday you may need an ambulance, quick. Every second counts when you need help. So police take no chances with gasoline refined by ordinary methods. Gasoline which may sputter and balk and stall at a sudden demand for speed. To ensure that every police car can jump from a crawl to top speed in emergencies, the largest cities and counties in California and Arizona specify Rio Grande cracked gasoline to power all emergency motors. It costs no more to get such an ethyl-treated gasoline refined by this extra cracking process. And with cracked gasoline in your car, you can get police car performance too. And as an extra inducement to try the super-refined gasoline, every independent dealer handling the Grande cracked gasoline is offering free, valuable gifts to boys and girls. Drive in. Get police car performance for your car with Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars. A cancellation broadcast 101 regarding a murder. Suspects in this case now in custody. That's all. Rolls and coats. Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.